I'm gonna triple jump this monkey. Could someone prepare fifty-one? Bobby, I told you no video games at the table. I know, but this is homework. It's my assignment for PE class. I know I should have done it last night, but I was watching TV. And... Wait, they're letting you play video games in PE? Yeah, it's for people who don't want to exercise. It's the active electronic lifestyle option. Well, that's asinine. PE is supposed to be about sports. They make video games for lots of sports. Football, baseball, golf. My thumbs are going to be huge. All right. Hello and welcome to the Kentucky Dad Podcast brought to you by SB Nations, a sea of blue. I'm Big Blue Drew and it's great to join everyone today. I'm glad that we got a chance to do another one. We took a little bit of a break just with football, basketball and the holidays kind of on that collision course over the last few weeks. We kind of just taking a breath of fresh air, letting ourselves catch up, all of you guys. So thanks for coming back. Really excited about today's guest, somebody I've been looking forward to inviting on. I don't know a ton about, so I'm anxious to talk to the sports director at WDRB, Aaron Maidas. Aaron, thank you so much for taking some time out of your weekend to join us on the Kentucky Dad podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to, to recording this. It's going to be fun to to talk about something we don't usually get together and talk about. It's a good, it's a good topic. I think it's probably healthy. We do talk about these things and I want to let you know that I'm taking things seriously today. I'm dadding it out. I got my coffee. I got a cold pop tart. I got a hoodie and sweatpants on. So I'm going all out for this. Perfect, man. I just changed the diaper. Like I was like 1058, like I'll change the diaper real quick. Cause you know, I always run it whenever I'm doing, I do a couple of these a week and I get it. You know, we're busy. We have, you know, full-time jobs too. So I always got to make sure, you know, that I, I um, get everything in, a, in line before I record it's hard as far as helping my wife out and stuff. So she's going to try to get a nap going up there. That's probably going to be a disaster, but you're right, man. I'm excited today because if there was ever a day I wanted to talk about sports any less it is today. I think Sunday, December 20th, I think it is. Um, we know Kentucky is just on a complete, um, this catastrophic course right now for basketball. So we don't have to talk about any of that. It's great. I got some energy now. I love doing these because there's not much preparation involved. You know, we just get into it, talk about our TV stuff, our TV dads and, and all that stuff. So I'll go first with that. Obviously, I know I've, I've done Hank Hill from King of the Hill before. I don't care because I'm on like a King of the Hill, like just straight up binge fest right now on Hulu. It's just such a good show, Aaron, where you can just zone out. You know, I'm, I'm usually not paying close attention to this stuff. In a one-liner, I'll just hit you from Peggy or Bobby or whoever. And I absolutely love King of the Hill, so I'm giving Hank Hill another shout-out today. Um, really good show. I don't, I don't know if you've watched or have ever watched King of the Hill, Aaron. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I can't hear the word propane without yes. King of the Hill. So that is one – you know, I'll admit, that's one I used to watch a lot more of, and I can't – I feel like – it was on maybe coming out of a, 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 a newscast, a, a past job, like it followed one of our shows or something. Oh, okay. I watched it all the time. Um, but yeah, i gotten away from it recently. Now hearing your endorsement makes me think maybe I need to go back and watch some of these episodes again. But I've seen a lot of King of the Hill. You definitely should because it just takes you back to that, you know, that time, I guess, if you watched it kind of when they were playing live. And I talked to Lucas from uh, the Courier Journal recently. I just... Somehow he had liked the tweeter. I don't know. I saw him on Twitter and I just clicked on his profile and I noticed that he his um his header picture is King of the Hill. So I, I messaged him instantly and we had some good laughs about it. But I'm honestly not sure King of the Hill would survive cancel culture though anymore because it, it definitely pushes the line there. And I think they're in like 
West Texas or something like that. But I love King of the Hill. Great one. Check it out. Hulu's running all those right now. Um, what about you, Aaron, for TV Dad? Well, speak, you know, one of the things I was thinking about was uh, Al Bundy. Um, mm-hmm. Now, he's not <laughs> – I'm not going to say he's a role model of a TV dad. That's but I only bring him up because I'm not sure – I'm not sure Married with Children survives cancel culture. Uh, the way it, <laughs> that one, I'm not sure would make it either. But uh, so some of the TV dads I wish I could be, like, you ever watch 24? Like, I wish I could be like Jack Bauer. I've seen a few episodes, but no, I did not. I, didn't, I don't know anything about his dad profile, though, that's for sure. See, and I, I feel like I'm cheating with that answer because it's really not about him being a dad. They just kind of – they kind of snuck – a good looking girl onto the show as his daughter and then uh, put her into some situations where he had to bail her out. So maybe cheating a little bit, but along the same lines, Liam Neeson in Taken. Okay. That, oh, that's a good one. That hasn't been mentioned yet. I mean, that one's a very obvious one. <laughs> yeah. And you know, like I wish, I think all of us wish that like, you know, you mess with our kids like that, that would be <laughs> in our bank of yeah. skills to, to track you down and, you know, I, I, I guess I probably shouldn't say kill you like Liam Neeson does in that show. But you know what I mean. That Be that kind of a, a protector. Um, but I'm probably more along the lines of a Phil Dunphy. Uh, nice. Um, that's, that's probably what my kids would tell you, too, that their dad is um, just a goofball, more or less. But that show's amazing. He's, he's a great character. Um, so yeah, big modern family guy. And, uh, I would probably say if, if that was the question, who would you compare most to it? It'd be him. Good. Phil Dunphy is definitely an elite answer. Great one with, um, the taken dad, Liam Neeson. That has not been mentioned. And, um, I think this is the first time too, that potentially threatening murder as the first time to be mentioned <laughs> on the dad podcast. So well done with both of those. That was, that was low hanging fruit. I feel like too the, uh, the taken one. Cause that's like, the standard dad, you know, oh, I'll find you and get you. So especially of those of us with daughters, which is another good segue, man. So I don't know. I read your bio a little bit on WDRB. Again, we have Aaron Matus here, the sports director at WDRB here in Louisville, um, covers all kinds of sports, has a really vast background in, in covering sports from across the country, which I'm sure we'll get into. But just tell us a little bit about yourself, Aaron, I guess, you know, from work experience and then definitely just kind of what the uh, family makeup is like for yourself. My first job out of college, I went to Indiana University. You know that. You like to give me a hard time about it. Yep. We don't have enough time to get into that, but we, we can have a little fun with them maybe. I know that they are – there's uh, not much I can say today, that's for sure. <laughs> there will be a different podcast maybe if we're really going to get into it. Uh, my first job was out of La Crosse, Wisconsin. My uh, uh, then-girlfriend at the time from IU moved up there. Uh, we got engaged up in Wisconsin. Um, we moved to Champaign, Illinois. That was my second job uh, covering the Illini. Um, and we, we got married in that window then. And we had our first kid five days before moving to Denver, Colorado. So that was a whirlwind. Wow. Um, I just remember when I got offered the job out in Denver and they said, can you start uh, November 1st? And I said, I don't know, maybe. You know, they and they were they were lenient. They understood the situation, but it was literally five day old baby in our car driving across the country, uh, moved into the apartment, started a new job. So, you know, they talk about uh, major life stressors. We did new job, new city, new home, new baby mm. in a week. 
Wow. Uh, and while in Denver, our family grew uh, two more kiddos. So we have a nine-year-old daughter. Her name is Winter. A uh, six-year-old daughter. Her name is Aspen. And a four-year-old son. And his name is Canyon. So you can probably guess we like the outdoors. Yes, yeah, so I read through that. I was definitely, I knew that would come up. I did read through that in your bio. And it also seems to kind of fit um, I didn't realize the timeline is with, with as far as you going out to Colorado, but those are all very Colorado-esque names. So did like living there and kind of your move and just part of the country kind of influence, I guess, a lot of your, um, you know, love for the outdoors and ultimately kind of choosing to name your kids after that? You know, I, I say it had an impact. It wasn't like we were honoring Colorado or anything because we actually liked the name Winter before we knew we were moving to Colorado. That would, I remember doing the whole baby book thing. And I remember reading the line, I was sitting there talking to my wife and I was like, Oh, you know, blah, 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 blah. And some people name their children after the seasons like summer and autumn. And jokingly dad joke here. I said, wow, winter and spring really get screwed out of that deal. <laughs> and we both kind of looked at each other and like winter's kind of a cool name. Um, and it kind of, you know, that's you planted the seed. And then as the months went on, we just kept going back to it. So that was going to happen before we went to Colorado. Then we get out there. Colorado's mountains have these beautiful aspen trees that turn this bright gold yellow um, in the fall. And it's just, it's, it's breathtaking. And so that kind of made us really start liking that name. Plus, we, we knew uh, a woman named Aspen um, previously. So we always liked that name. So that's kind of how it happened. I guess it kind of happened organically. And then when we, we, we just... When we were trying to name our son, we were kind of like, I just feel like you can't have a winter and Aspen and a Jeff. <laughs> right. So that we, we just decided like at that point, we got to go all in on this thing. So we actually had trouble finding which way we wanted to go with that route. But we, we ended up with Canyon on our list and uh, named him shortly after he was born. He just seemed like it was for, for some reason he was born. We were both like, it's, it's Canyon. That's it. Well, I just did a little bit of math, too. So winter being nine, I was like, it kind of made me think of Game of Thrones initially. So it looks like that was like probably just a tad before Game of Thrones came out or whatever. But if you were a Game of Thrones person, I have to assume that winter is coming was was a popular phrase in your home. We binged it at the <laughs> end of it all. Like so. OK, me too, actually. Me too. Yeah. So maybe that was like last year, I think. So we knew the phrase, everyone said it to us, didn't quite get it. Now we totally get it. And to be clear, I haven't let my nine-year-old watch Game of Thrones, but I did talk her into using the theme music for her walk-up music in softball. Nice, nice. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay. So you did almost exactly how I did then. I think we, we binged Game of Thrones. It might have been maybe a couple years ago, but we were the same. I really struggled to watch shows that I have to wait to come out for and totally just random sidebar here, but it's good of game of Thrones and all those shows were the, the risk that we take in doing that was like the hype was so much and it was an awesome show, probably still one of the best shows I've ever seen, but the hype was just so big and so great that like, I don't think it ever had the opportunity to live up to it. Yeah. And, and I don't know how it went with you, but we almost, we almost couldn't get out of the first season. Cause it's, it is a shocking first season like yeah. and and my wife was kind of like i just don't <laughs> i never finished these shows feeling really good about things <laughs> and and i was like let's just stick with it uh and and i'm glad we did but i mean it if you and i didn't really know what to expect so those first you know and then then you know i don't want to ruin anything but 
if someone is going to binge it, but then, you know, that season ends with a, well, it's a dad pod. So a, a, yeah. a dad and a show, uh, things don't go well for him. And I'm like, you can't, you can't go that route after the first season. So we, we had trouble getting through that first season, but uh, yeah, what an amazing show. And I'm glad we waited on it. Cause that would have been hard. I, we, we caught up in time for the last few episodes of the final season and each week was like torture for me. Yeah, I know. It is, I hate waiting for shows. And yeah, that's another one that's never been mentioned. Maybe someone at some point will mention Ned Stark. Or I almost went that route. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, he, I, I like, you know, he definitely was a, a family guy and, and ultimately, you know, paid his life for, which I think we're good to say that because we're talking about probably three, four, I don't know, a couple years at least removed from, from that show and like 10 years removed from season one. So we're good there. But all right, man, good stuff. Like I said I'd read your bio and knew, knew a little bit about you. I knew you went to Indiana. Um, you are originally from Minnesota, correct? I heard a little bit of that in there. Yep. Yeah, I was, uh, I was born in New York. Uh, we were left, left there when I was six years old. So I grew up in Minnesota, just south of Minneapolis, in a suburb called Edina. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud Minnesotan. I will uh, stick to my claim that the Timberwolves are in the running as the worst-run professional sports organization in the country. They don't get a lot of credit for that either, but you might be on to something. They don't, and I don't know why. I mean, I feel like they're so irrelevant that they don't even get mentioned in that conversation, which should elevate their profile as a terrible-run organization. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, probably Minnesotan grew up playing hockey and baseball, um, golf, but not competitively. And uh, just, you know, like so many of us quickly realized that if I wanted to stay in the sports world, it was going to be talking about it as, a, as opposed to playing it and – uh, pursued that at Indiana and that things took off from there. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I know that. Um, so I worked at Best Buy for a few years or a lot of years, actually like pretty much uh, a lot of my work experience. So, you know, Minneapolis headquarters. So I've been to Minnesota a few times and I'm a big outdoors person too. So I have to stay linked up because I really, uh, my wife's from Michigan. So I kind of get up and my grandfather's actually from green Bay. They're huge Packers fans. So I kind of get up that way every now and then, but I do, I want to get a, get a little farther West. Um, and I like fishing and things. So I want to like get the, get the deeds from me. When's the best time to go up there and enjoy some outdoors because, um, and we'll kind of move on from Minnesota here, but I know that it's gets the reputation and it's freezing. I know it's cold, but it also has like a really rich, awesome outdoor culture. Correct. Because you guys really appreciate a nice day there a lot. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and one of the things that, this is something I didn't even realize growing up there, but you learn, I mean, some of us do, a lot of people complain about it, but you learn to appreciate the winter days too. And so I grew up, like I said, playing hockey and there's all kinds of, I mean, everywhere there's outdoor hockey rinks um, that that's, the cities will freeze over uh, and flood them. And then there's also just your, you know, ponds that people will clear off on their own that you can play hockey on. So I grew up doing that, and that was something you could do on the coldest of days mm-hmm. in the winter, or we used to joke with people, you know, like, if it's 25, 30 degrees in the winter, we, we usually were playing in T-shirts because it was that was so warm to us, and plus you're moving. Um, but then when, when I, I mentioned I lived in Wisconsin, and we started doing some of that up there in the winters, and my wife, who's from Indianapolis originally, um, just had a new appreciation because we would go out and do things despite the cold, you know, bundle up and go do things, whether it's um, snowshoeing, cross country skiing, we played some boot hockey. Um, And so the long answer to your question is yes, absolutely appreciate the spring, summer, fall days that are, that are awesome in Minneapolis, but 
we found a way to enjoy those cold ones too. And um, it's interesting how it can kind of change your perspective of cold winter months if you find a way to get out there and enjoy them still. Listening to all that and all I can think about in my brain over and over is I'm just like closing my eyes and I just, I'm just seeing any scene from the Mighty Ducks, like the steam coming off the ice, Gordon Bombay, and the fact that that show is getting a remake. Have you seen that? Gordon Bombay is coming back, real-time Gordon Bombay on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, and I, 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 I hope they don't ruin it because yeah. that, that was a pretty – I mean, it wasn't a wonderful, I believe, trilogy. I think the third one maybe got away from them a little bit, but – the first two are pretty darn good. Uh, so I hope they don't ruin that. Like, I think we all feel that when some of our, our childhood uh, shows are coming back or they're remaking things. So hopefully they do a good job with that. But yeah, certainly excited about that. And you're a hundred percent right on, on, uh, on the mighty ducks. And uh, I just remember that first outdoor game the NHL did, and it was snowing yeah. outside. And uh, I think Sidney Crosby scored the game winner or whatever. So you, you never thought we'd be talking about hockey on this podcast. No, yeah. I did not. I did not. But, hey, tying it back into the Mighty Ducks, I'm excited. And um, just kind of uh, mentioning, like, with the Karate Kid with that, you're probably a little – I'm 33. Are you are you same age, maybe a little bit older than me? 38. 38, 38. Yep. Okay. So you're probably where a Karate Kid guy came out in 84. Have you seen Cobra Kai? You know what? No. And I feel like that thing blew up. And I feel like I'm just so behind on it now. Not that that matters, but it, it went from like I barely heard about it to everyone was talking about it in a matter of weeks, I feel like. Oh, man. You're, no, you are in the perfect zone for this, Aaron. And again, uh, Cats by, or I almost said Cats by 90 podcast. Check that one out, too, even though it's been depressing content. But Kentucky Dad Podcast, we're back today. Aaron made us from uh, WDRB Sports here in Louisville. But all right, Cobra Kai. No, man, you are in the best zone for that because there's two seasons. And I want to say the third one's coming out like in the next week or two, like early January, I think. And yeah, really? I feel like the Karate Kid, it, I don't even know how to describe it. We've talked about it a few times on the show, but it's like, it goes from being like dark and gloomy to like super corny all in like within a few minutes, but I really enjoyed it. I'm like pumped waiting for the new one. A ton of this, Aaron, you have to kind of put yourself in like early 1990s Aaron shoes. A ton of this content is related to chasing Allie, which if you remember Allie from episode one, so they're kind of always are, are from uh, the first movie. So they're kind of always dancing around. What's up with Allie? Are we going to get to see her? You know, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, probably one of my first biggest TV crushes. So I'm interested, you know, I want to see what happens with that. But no, check out Cobra Kai. I think, I think that you'll like it, but just be prepared. It, um, it gets quite corny, kind of like a, a Disney tween show that, that my daughter likes. But I really like Cobra Kai. Um, we got to keep it moving. I mean, let's, we're going to rapid fire some topics here. Um, we got about five or six things we always try to ask on the dad podcast. We've already checked off TV dads. We went in depth on that. Um, with three kids, I'm anxious. So this is not our normal weeknight recording thing. We are doing this like Sunday, mid, mid afternoon. But um, what did you guys do for dinner last night? It was a Saturday night. Um, how did it go down? Well, last night I had a uh, part of a leftover uh, taco salad at about four o'clock before I hit the road to Lexington to cover the 6A state championship game. Yeah, I figured you were working busy yesterday. Yeah, it was a crazy day yesterday. Um, so that that's a little glimpse into the sports life as we often have to eat on the go, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were hurting bad for a store run yesterday. And if I remember correctly, um, my wife was planning on uh, grilled cheese and star soup for the kids. Nice. 
to survive until we got to the store. And she actually went to the store at like 10 o'clock last night because uh, her mom watched the kids for a little bit. And she's like, I'm just going to go late to avoid the craziness. So the things we do as parents. Yeah, I hear that, man. And it, it's always that way. You know, we have that's why I like asking those questions, especially on weeknights. Thursday's a day we kind of trying to slide in a lot. So, you know, it's end of the week. Um, we're usually jumping on here by 8.30, 9 o'clock. So I like to hear the interesting, innovative dinner plans that we get. We're actually on vacation this week. And it always is, like slaps me in the face every time I'm on vacation is that just like the sheer amount of money that is wasted and spent on food. Like I do not have the answers there and I wish I did. We go to Costco, it ends up being a dumb decision. We go to Kroger for a clickless big run. It's a bad decision. We, we were for a while doing that. I was going to Kroger every single day and getting dinner and our little sweet treat and all that. But I've just come to the conclusion that no matter what you do, if you have a family, you're just going to waste hundreds of dollars on groceries every month. And for the most part, probably saying you don't have anything to eat. Yeah. And that isn't that, isn't that right? And we, we try, we haven't, we've actually gotten away from it. We, we try to meet Sunday nights as a family and just kind of go over what the kids have that week. Nice. Um, let them know, you know, here's some things, you know, wh whether you've got a test, you got a game or you've got a practice. Um, and then we kind of excuse them because their attention spans are shot usually anyway. And then we, we try to come up with four meals that we are going to prepare that week. So you leave some gray area, for in case life takes over and you can't get that meal in and you can slide it to the next day or, or a takeout night or whatever. Um, but we do try to plan four meals that are going to get made. Um, we try to always do more than you need. So there's leftovers to, to, to grab and run if need be. Um, so that's one thing we try to do to uh, help with that situation of, of, of using the food in the house. What do we have? What can we make? And, uh, and making sure we've got some stuff in, in case life gets busy or life takes over. That's one thing we do. And I, I can tell you this. I know tomorrow I'm picking up some baby back ribs. Nice. And I'm throwing them in. Here's my shout out to a local Kentucky company. My pit barrel cooker, which is my, my smoker. Uh -huh. uh, and that's our plan for tomorrow night. And we're going to do some, uh, some early gift exchange with uh, my uh, sister-in-law and her family. Very nice. Very nice. So that's one thing we got going. And my shout out to the pit barrel. Yeah, I have to introduce you to my brother. He's a huge, huge barbecuer, griller, doing all that stuff. Um, and another person I want to ask you about, do you know Nick Coffey, the um, Louisville sports guy? Absolutely, I know Nick. Okay, so Nick was on the dad podcast. Nick's awesome. And this, this hits me all the time I think about this now. He was probably on the dad podcast about six weeks ago. And it's gotten me in trouble a few times because I've regrettably mentioned this to my wife as well. But his wife has like essentially he described a Rolodex of like soup, chili style recipes that they use like half the year cold months on Sundays. And that has just resonated with me so hard. Like that is the smartest idea ever. But I will say a smart idea would not be to mention to your wife about how she should develop one of these Rolodexes of soup recipes. Um, <laughs> she, she wasn't excited to hear about that. But man, how smart is that? Like, as I sit here on a Sunday with no plan, like, just to be like, hey, look, you know, let's go with page 32 today. You know, that, that sounds good. So really smart idea by them that I, I'm slowly trying to integrate into my family. That is a good idea. And we, we go to the chili uh, just, you know, we don't have a, we don't have a bunch of options, but we usually just throw some stuff in the crock pot and that's a great Sunday cold weather thing to do. And I, again, we try to just make a ton of it. So it's like, put it in the Tupperwares. It helps. I mean, it helps her out during normal time. She's been at home working since March, but 
for me still going in the office, it's so nice to just, you know, you grab one of the already pre divvied out Tupperwares and you've got your dinner for the night. Chili soup's amazing. Yeah. And then Sunday is such a smart day to kind of um, integrate that into the rotation because then you're probably gonna have a rough Monday back to work or whatever if you work mm. a normal schedule and you likely have those leftovers. So I'm texting him right now just about what a great idea that was again and um, shout out to him. So kind of along the same lines, you've already talked about um, being busy yesterday, state high school football championships, you got three kids working a crazy new schedule. So something I ask every guest that really teaches me a lot about you with one simple question is, during your, your normal daily routine, Aaron, do you drink more coffee, soda, or alcohol? <laughs> uh, um, normal daily routine, I'd say coffee. Um, it's funny you mentioned all three of those things because they're all three things I'm trying to drink less of. Right. Um, so I, I not so much the, the I just feel like I get into a routine in the mornings where like if there's coffee to drink, it means being lazy. Like I'm just going to pour some coffee and sit around. And I do value that time because working sports, you don't get the evening time. Right. Sit around. Um, so the morning is kind of that time if I can enjoy some of it. And that's a big if these days with virtual learning. Um, but I find myself like, well, there you go. I'll just pour another cup of coffee and park myself back on the couch. So I'm trying to limit the amount of cups in the morning. Uh, soda I'm decent at. Uh, I am trying to limit the, get rid of the random sodas in the middle of the day. And then, uh, you know, the, I'm a big craft beer guy. So okay. um, I do enjoy the craft beer scene. I do enjoy trying to get out to the local breweries uh, in Louisville and around the area. And if I'm, if I'm, you know, times for vacationing, I think it's always fun to see what, what different cities have. Um, so I guess I'm not trying to limit that. How's that for an answer? <laughs> uh, that's fair enough. And I think that's probably the biggest reason that I do ask is that, I don't, you know, everybody's probably trying to, to limit the intake of those, you know, as much as they can. I'm bad about soda. I'm trying to do better. I don't drink coffee, um, alcohol every now and then with people, but I don't sit or I don't, I'm pretty good about not having like a drink just by myself at the house or whatever. So, um, everybody's yep. trying to limit those. So interesting stuff there. Now, let's see. Um, oh, okay. I got a good one for you. Aaron. When was your last good cry? Cool. You, you can take a moment on that. While you're thinking about it, I'll just go ahead and let the listeners know again that this is a segment of the show that I will be opting out of weekly because if I'm not giving the same answer, I'm going to just look like a huge crybaby. And I have no problems with admitting, especially since I've become, become a dad all those years ago. Like, um, I'm a, I'll cry, no big deal. It can be a, a commercial about a you know, dad's love of his children or anything like that. Um, it usually is for me, though, fictional stuff. Like, I'll be watching TV or something. It's not so much, um, you know, me seeing, like, my kid whack a baseball in the front yard and I get teary-eyed. It's like, it'll be like a, a Hallmark commercial or something. But um, that was just me stalling, though, Aaron. So you're on the spot. I mean, when, when is the last time you can remember you had a, had a good cry? All right. The last time, I, I guess I'm, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to decide if this was a good cry or not, but I'm just going to go with it. Cause I think, I think a tear did escape the eye. So, but it, it was corn, it was cheesy. Like you kind of said, and I do think since being a dad, I'm just a more emotional person. And uh, it was just a good old Twitter thread. And it was from a woman saying she was having a tough time during quarantine. I'm not going to tell the whole story, but she would go for walks at night and she found um, 
a little garden in one of her neighbor's house that obviously a, a young child was making a fairy garden. And so just to be funny, she left a note in the garden for her to find, you know, from a fictional fairy living in the tree, this little, this little girl had created. And it sparked this relationship uh, back and forth between the four-year-old and this woman who was kind of struggling during quarantine and needed an outlet and found it with this young girl. Um, And it it went on for months until very recently, uh, the girl and her family moved, they moved away and had to tell the parents became friends with this woman and they were all kind of in on it together and set up a meeting between the, the girl and this, this woman she had been pen, you know, quote unquote pen pals with, but they kept the ruse going. They, they, they had her dress up as a fairy. Um, and she luckily had some old Halloween costume that worked um, and actually got to meet this four year old girl um, and I just thought it was so sweet. And I, I feel like we all need good news these days. So I found myself reading that and tearing up. I could see that a lot with you all working in the news and, and, and preparing a little bit. Aaron, I was learning a little bit more about you last night. And then this morning, kind of watching some of your stuff just on YouTube. You actually, I notice a lot, tell a lot of those stories, like kind of those, um, those feel good type sports stories that, um, from the various cities that you've been in. I watch those. They reminded me a lot of like the uh, Jeremy Shat type. I think that's the person that does those like on ESPN. I'm um, just kind of telling a heartwarming sports story. And then in the news in general, I'm surprised that hasn't came up with some of our other guests. I know my best friend um, works in San Francisco now as a news anchor. He was here at wave three and we talk about it a lot. I mean, I guess you kind of develop thick skin and become immune to it, but you guys see a lot of sad, sad stories up close and personal and I know your job is to tell those stories, um, you know, and get them out so people can kind of feel what the people that are going through it are feeling. But, yeah, I could see that a lot, I guess, with you all in the news because, um, you know, we take for granted, I guess, only getting to see a, a two- and three-minute clip that you all put together. But when you're really compiling a lot of that data, whether it's sports or not, I'm sure that can really pull on your heartstrings a lot. Yeah, I mean, I think you do absolutely get a thick skin because of just some of the horrific things you see. Or, you know, in sports, we don't maybe deal with it as much. But, you know, being in the newsroom, you absolutely hear a little more about it. And you talk to some of the reporters dealing with it. Um, but, yeah, you nailed it. I mean, that's one of one of the I've, I've made a career about telling stories and meeting people. And um, that that's one of the things that's been tough this last seven or eight months, whatever, whatever month we're in now is. Uh, just because of the way we're handling things and trying to limit who's in the building, who's out of the building. I've been in the building a lot. Mm. So I haven't gotten out much and done some of the reporting and storytelling. You know, you mentioned Jeremy Shep. He's terrific at it. Tom Rinaldi. Uh, yeah. He's another guy that's just wonderful at, at telling stories uh, on the sports side of things, but that's one of my favorite things to do. Um, so yeah, that means a lot that you noticed that looking up some stuff last night, because that's probably one of my favorite things about the job. Okay, well, that was a compliment. Now I'm going to come back with, with one that's not really so much. So the very first thing I clicked on, though, when I gave your, your name a YouTube search, um, tied in really good with what we're talking about because I could probably use this for the, at least the last time I really wanted to cry um, and didn't maybe, but was the Elite Eight in Kansas City. I, the very first video I clicked on was you and Bozich on the floor at Kansas City for the Elite Eight, Kentucky and Auburn which is one of my greatest memories and also one of my, I mean, it, it still crushes me to this day to just know actually the photography on the floor for that, which kind of coming through my background still to this day does not seem possible 
that I earned the right to do that. So great, great memory, no matter what, it's awesome. But I can't always help but thinking that how Kentucky was just one Jared Harper block shot at the rim or something from going to Minnesota, actually, now that I think about it, and um, potentially doing the Final Four. So it crushed my soul a little bit. I don't like thinking back on that game as much. Um, but, yeah, man, you do. You tell a lot of um, – it was a lot – a lot of great stories where you kind of peel the layers back. You know, it wasn't so much a, a game, what was the score at the end, but really telling the story of a player. I saw a couple that just overcame adversity and um, a lot of community-related stories. I know that you've particularly, like, mentioned in Champaign. I don't know much about Champaign, but I would venture to guess it's a lot like Louisville in the fact that it's a college sports town. Um, they really love it. They probably love the fighting line and all that stuff. So you've had the opportunity to do that, and I think it definitely shows in your work, Aaron. It's funny you mentioned that Kansas City game because – um, it's not I, funny I have at no, all. It's, it's the least funny thing ever. <laughs> it's not funny. It tortures me as well because I, I, I didn't grow up a UK fan. They're just, they're, you know, they're a team I cover. And, but in that sense, I would have gone to the, the final home. four. Yeah. One. Uh, and it would have been home, which would have yeah. been cool to see that event in your hometown. I maybe, I mean, you know how it is. I maybe would have had a chance to see family for a little bit. Right. Uh, but I'd actually already lined up a pretty cool story with Reed Travis I'm and like, sure, yeah. uh, and his, I, I believe his old high school coach was now an assistant at um, Colorado state. I have a good buddy who works in the video department at Colorado state. And I had already talked to him and I was like, Hey, I'm going to need you to, if you can do this interview with him, send it to me. Uh, and, and he was going to, he's like, I'm going to blow this up. I'm going to make this look so great. So I had this story I thought was going to be so cool for being up in Minneapolis and then just had to punt on it because they got beat. Uh, it just, it breaks my heart, man. And uh, we weren't supposed to do this, but it's inevitable now. I got my heart rate pumping a little bit, but holistically, <laughs> I'm as mad as anyone. The performance of Kentucky basketball right now is absolutely unacceptable at this university. Something, something has to change. What's happening now cannot happen pandemic year, whatever. That being said, all that matter in this sport is winning tournament games, which Kentucky and John Calipari do at as high of rate as anybody. And it's always the same thing I hear, you know, win the big one, win the big one. Like, what more could a coach do? I mean, we were both at that game. Like I said, it's Nick Richards playing for 30 more seconds and being able to be trusted to alter one Jared Harper layup. That's it. Literally one bounce of the ball. That's another Final Four. We could go down the list as far as, a, you know, a ball bounce here and there to either go to a Final Four or to even win a national championship. So as much turmoil as there is in the bluegrass, um, and I do think a lot of it's unacceptable. I said last week that I was retiring from my job as all-time John Calipari apologist um, <laughs> because I am. I'm kind of stepping away. I'm really poking some holes through kind of the way we're doing things. But that being said, like that game is just a perfect example of just how freaking unforgiving this sport is. And I wish it wasn't my favorite sport because the best team – in the best program definitely doesn't always win the championship. And I think with most professional sports, the, the best team usually wins. Yeah. All right. A couple things. One, I'll start there. Totally agree. I, I'm, I'm one that laughs at some of the people that say, Oh yeah, but they didn't, you know, this team didn't win the championship. I'm like, all right, well, the tournament's a crapshoot. And, and I really believe a lot of people say like, Oh, if you get to the final four, that, you know, anything after that's, you know, gravy. I, I personally believe that about the Sweet 16. If you get to that level, that season is a success. And yes, you want to get to the Elite Eight. Yes, you want to get to the Final Four and win the whole thing. But it is just a crapshoot. And I get a little bit 
fed up with the, well, they didn't win at all. And I really get fed up with, you know, when a team's playing well and somebody says like, oh yeah, they're, they're not going to win the championship. And I'm like, yeah. well, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I, you can't enjoy what they're doing right now and likely will continue to do until something random happens in a 60,000 person arena that they've never played in against another really good team. Um, so I do get fed up with that. Totally agree with, with what you say about, you know, not winning the big one versus, um, you know, enjoying the season as a whole and how far they've gotten. So hundred percent agree with you on that. And the second part, I am actually surprised that this is the first time we've seen something like this yes. with UK. And I don't mean that because John Calipari is a bad coach or anything, sure. but when you hit the reset button every year, the fact that he's gotten groups to mesh every year is incredible. 100%. Like this situation is, is likely when you put a bunch of new, highly successful players together in a room at a new level of competition. And the fact that he's avoided it for the most part, there's been bumps early, uh, is incredible. And so I am not all that, I don't want to say shocked, but I'm not. It's, they've had a hard schedule. The, the games they've lost maybe outside of um, Richmond, I'm thinking, or, I, you know, I guess Notre Dame was a bad one too, but that was just a bad half. Um, they've been good teams. And I don't know. I, I just, the fact that there's obviously some disconnect in the locker room just isn't that surprising to me. And maybe it's a testament to why when some of us grumble about the competition early in the season in regular years, maybe Calipari knows exactly what he's doing and he needs those games to have some success, get some wins and let the team enjoy winning uh, before things start getting a little more difficult in December. Yeah. You can probably say the same thing about football too, right? They didn't get those tune up games this year and and it clearly it showed, which completely just getting off subject for a second, but it, it was just wild to me how quick we normalized playing 10 SEC games. But I digress. Um, I think that the title or bust mentality for Kentucky basketball, I'm okay with that. I really am. I think that the bar should be final fours and championships. What I can't at this point, like I said, I'm, I'm starting to hear the other side of the argument a lot more, at least as far as like altering the way that Kentucky ultimately goes about doing things. But there's nothing that anyone can do could convince me that like, hey, if Cal was to be moved out, let's move in X coach, give them three to five years. And like, I, there's no way that I'm going to feel better about ultimately getting to that same spot in the Elite Eight and having the opportunity to go play for a national championship than I do now. Could it maybe look better from start to finish each year? Um, possibly. Could things not look as chaotic? Sure. Um, but, but as far as the ability to go cut down some nets, I just don't see how you're ever going to be in a better position from year to year that Kentucky's in now. And exactly what you were just describing, Aaron, like last night I was laying in bed thinking about that exact same thing. It's The shocking part is this doesn't happen every four years with bringing these guys in and just a complete roster um, flip around. And then even more so with what we saw yesterday, which I know a lot of it's been cleared up from exactly what happened after the game. You know, right. start walking off, coming back. We know Cameron Fletcher was visibly upset. But that amazes me more than anything. And we talk about that on the Cats by 90 podcast regularly. It's just that he's done this now, what is 11th year, 12th year, whatever it is. And we've had little to no, knock on wood, problem issues with police, with guys leaving the program, with breaking laws, 
just being knuckleheads, hardly any examples of that at all. I mean, you really have to reach and the ones that you're reaching for are all speculative at that. There wasn't even any concrete stuff. So that's been the amazing part to me and the biggest reason that I am and I always really will be a Calipari supporter because I think just the morality that he's brought to the program, which is the opposite of his reputation outside of Lexington. But when you're here, when you cover it, when you see it, I mean, it's pretty amazing to me that he can get these alpha male teams from their city where they're the best player, they're the hot shit, wherever they're at, to come here and, um, you know, not just have it explode more often than it does. And I'm I'm not ready to say that about this team but definitely is unprecedented from the Calipari era and specifically seeing the stuff that we saw yesterday after the game. And I actually had Coach Rob um, on here a while back, the strength coach, you know, and we talked a little bit about that, um, bringing this together with the dad pod. It's like these kids don't have their dads around, right? They don't have their moms around. So I can't imagine getting shipped off or, you know, playing somewhere far away from my parents and facing the type of adversity that they're facing and, logging in and seeing their name on Twitter, just getting bashed and not having that family support there. So you're right. It was a long way of saying it. Like it really does amaze me um, what he's been able to do and that we haven't seen this more often. And I wonder too, you know, I'm not looking to make excuses for any, any program, but I do wonder when something's worked for a decade and now there it's not working quite as well. Obviously it could be personnel, but in a year like this where, um, Contacts limited, uh, some of the stuff you're used to be able to doing, you're not able to do. I just wonder how that affects some of the stuff we don't get to see and and how that in turn affects camaraderie. And Kenny Payne too. I think Kenny Payne keeps keeps being brought up in that as far as the, a lot of the problems that we're seeing, he kind of um, silently uh, seemingly managed. Yeah. And we, we wondered over here, you know, Mark Ennis uh, over here in, in Louisville brought up a point on, a, on his radio show I was on and just said, like, if, if Scott Satterfield and his crew are all about, you know, love, camaraderie, um, could it be possible that some of their struggles this year were the fact that they just didn't have any contact with their team and couldn't, couldn't fall back on the core of their approach? Um, because you had to be distanced from everybody and couldn't meet in person and couldn't do some of the things that build some of that team. Um, and I just thought that was a great point. And I just wonder how much of that's happening at programs across the country. Yeah, it's a fair question. And we're definitely going to move on from this because it's already, it's, it's ruining my Sunday morning a little bit. But, um, you know, I just think from this Kentucky team, just from a sheer basketball perspective, and I brought this up and I've kind of been kicking myself, Aaron, because I wanted to double down on this a little bit more. But honestly, I was uh, I didn't because everyone else convinced me otherwise. And it wasn't so much that I I didn't think Brandon Boston and Terrence Clark were going to be as good as they were advertised. I, I don't know that I truthfully believe that. But I definitely believed that for whatever reason that was written in with the Sharpie. And if it wasn't the case, this was going to happen. And that's exactly what we're seeing. I just feel like at some point in the late spring, summer, it had just been written in stone that Terrence Clark and B.J. Boston, specifically B.J. Boston, were bona fide lottery picks. You know, B.J. Boston potentially being a top five pick. And that's just not the case. And to me, that's as, as simple as it gets. Are you covering the game next Saturday? I'm not, man. I really wanted to, but uh, uh, man, here we go again. Another bet. I wanted to. No, they're they're full, which is understandable. But I was really hoping to get into that one. What about you? Yeah, I will be there. We 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 uh, we you know, not to get too inside the WDRB Sports Department. We got a couple people off, uh, which is important this time of year. So they're they're enjoying some family time. So 
Yeah, um, and, and that's, that's good for me. That means I get to go cover that game for a third, third straight year now. Um, and that's one of the highlights of my year every year. And it, it's, it's easy for me because I don't really have a dog in that fight. So it's kind of fun to just enjoy the – well, I say enjoy the atmosphere. I won't get to enjoy the atmosphere this year. It'll be weird to see it empty next it week. Will. Well, at least that made me feel a little bit better. Although I'm pretty heartbroken, I, I won't cover that one. I, was, I did photography last year right before heading to the Belt Bowl. So I had an amazing weekend. And I have yeah. one of my – some of the best con- – my, at least my favorite content that I've ever gotten – was following Nick and Ashton around after the game, doing L's down to the whole crowd. I have like, it's probably my favorite cell phone video I've ever saved in a bunch of spots. So I'm uh, definitely jealous of you. I wish I was going to be watching that game. I think it's such a kick-ass time slot, noon, the day after Christmas. Like when else are you going to be posted up, chilling, probably with like a full stomach and stuff. So I'm excited about the game. And man, you know, all signs, everything just feels like Kentucky's going to beat Louisville on Saturday. It seems like that's Louisville fans are certainly worried about that. They're saying this is going to be the perfect storm for Kentucky to come in and win. And I think, you know, it's just, it's too bad. Kentucky's dealing with some of the locker room issues. Um, and then on the flip side, it's too bad that Louisville's dealing with the injuries. Cause you, mm-hmm. you want to see those teams kind of be full throttle when they, when they meet, I, I don't know what program is full throttle right now, other than maybe Gonzaga. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's a little too bad that they're, they're both going to be limping in for their own reasons. Uh, but once the ball tips, it'll still be Louisville, Kentucky, and it'll be fun to watch. Yeah, and anybody that knows me, kind of um, bring it back to your Indiana. That's why I'm, I like, and I, I obviously over-exaggerate, but Indiana is my, my go-to rival. I don't like them program. And it's really more so, Aaron, because I grew up in Louisville, um, I spent a lot of my adult life outside of Louisville, but I grew up here. I mean, I'm a mile from the campus where I live. So I'm, I'm intelligent enough to know that the University of Louisville not being in turmoil is good for me as an individual and a person. So when all this stuff just started flying off the rails with, with their, um, their problems and stuff, like I don't like to see that. I like when Louisville's good at basketball. I was just explaining to my daughter yesterday, she's getting a lot more into basketball. She's like, what's blue blood? What's a blue blood? So I was going into what's a blue blood and I was actually talking about Indiana and Louisville as kind of like, uh, you know, people that I view as like those outsiders looking into the blue bloods. Um, but I like Louisville. I don't want to say that, like, I hope that they lose every game. To me, they're not that rival for me. And um, Saturday's game is a big reason why, like, even though Kentucky has dominated them, like, I don't want it to be lopsided. I, I like I think it's good when both programs um, are, are at their full strength for that game. And you're right. It's almost like they're both going to be at full strength, which is just not very strong. <laughs> they're both like going to be so depleted for different reasons that I'm not sure we'll see the best version of them. Um, but it should be a good game either way because it'll get – I mean, you talk about a Kentucky team now that is just going to be as desperate probably as a Calipari team has ever played besides maybe that 2013 team. I remember um, right after New Orleans went down, they had that big game at Tennessee, which everyone thought they were going to come out and fight, and they didn't. So we'll see what happens Saturday, man. But if nothing else, it should be it should be jam packed with storylines. The the big thing this year, and this is going to be I, I don't mean to bring up Indiana to, to to make you cringe, but Archie Miller every pregame and postgame, the first thing he brings up is just playing games. Mm-hmm. And so you know, knock on wood that nothing happens between now and then, and we get to see that game Saturday. But he just says like the biggest thing for any program right now is to get games on your resume. Quality games, quality opponents, get film to watch. Um, and so this is a huge non-conference game that I think both programs, you know, especially Louisville, who just missed a couple, 
uh, wants to get on their resume. And that, that, that is just, you almost forget that that's just so important this year just to simply play the game that's on your calendar. Yeah. Louisville has to win this game, too. If, if they don't, I mean, God, it is just the lopsidedness of the Calipari era. We said that last year, basically. Kentucky had a pretty darn good team last year. But, like, if last year, if the year they couldn't do it, um, that it was going to be really bad. So, this year, it's going to be really bad if they can't beat them. But we've, we've talked more sports on this episode than probably all the other ones combined. But kind of hard not to with, um, you know, bad is usually – more more uh, more clicks and stuff than good <laughs> so everyone wants to know what's going on when things are in bad shape but we'll start wrapping up man we went a little longer but i always like to give the opportunity aaron to the guests on the kentucky dad podcast which if you're not please follow us on twitter at kentucky dad pod and check us out on spotify and itunes um it's just under the ac of blue network please um jump on there do a review i'm thinking about doing some giveaways here in the next couple of weeks so check us out on there but you shared some of your time with us, Aaron, which we really appreciate. So I always like to give guests the opportunity um, just to quickly kind of go over any father figures in your life that you want to give a shout out to or anyone at all that kind of um, good, bad, whatever shaped you kind of into the man and the father that you are today. Well, obviously my dad, he's, he's been a huge part of my life. And, and um, you know, shout out to my mom too. My parents split up when I was in seventh grade, but um, I just, you know, split custody. So they're both a huge part of my life, obviously. Um, but in terms of shaping me into the father uh, that I am today, you know, my mom was a big part of that. So shout out to her. Don't want to ignore mom. Uh, but yeah, my dad, incredible human. Uh, love him to death. He's up in Minnesota. He's a, he's a doctor at the University of Minnesota. And as much as his parents were wanting to push me into medicine, he supported kind of my little journey of wanting to get into awesome. journalism. Because so, all that money you make, Aaron. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, the, the, the wonderful hours and all the money, yeah. uh, which he, you know, he's a smart guy. He told me that from the beginning. He's like, what do you think about working nights and weekends? And I said, that, that's, uh, I, I realize that's part of the gig. So uh, certainly him, um, I, I would say that um, more than anything. Uh, and then as far as, you know, just other dads, I, I try to pick up as much as I can. Uh, guy I used to work with, Drew Soisher is his name. Um, just a really good father figure, cared about his family more than anything, cared about his two boys more than anything. Um, Tom Lane at work in WDRB, big family man. You know, you just try to pick up little things from anyone, uh, good and bad. And, um, I, you know, I guess – you know, I have a lot of insecurities as a father and not in an unhealthy way. I just always challenge myself to be a better dad every year at the end of the year, when we get to new year's, when I, when I kind of talk about some of our goals, mine is I want to be a better dad this year than I was last year, whatever that means, more present, more involved, um, more, you know, I, you know, be able to pass more lessons along, whatever it is. Um, but I Let think me ask it, you something real quick, Aaron, because I always want to ask people this, and, and you just kind of hit on it. The, <laughs> I feel like Ray Romano sometimes in the show because I tell them there's genuinely times when I don't want to sit around on my phone, but I almost feel a little bit of an obligation, like on a Saturday night or whatever. Like just as an example, I know this is the dad podcast, but you know, last night if you did, you just jumped on, you did a morning news show or a morning radio show, and, and you didn't watch Monday Night Football or Florida, Alabama, like I kind of always just feel a weird sense of pressure, like not to get too disconnected, 
Um, because, you know, people do look at me, I guess, to be a little bit knowledgeable about that stuff. But to the family, you know, they're like, you're looking at your phone. Like, it just seems like a gimmick. <laughs> yeah. And I, 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 and I, hundred percent. And I guess that's, that falls right into, you know, what I was saying a little bit about some of the insecurities that I have as a dad, you know, you pull some of that stuff and then in the back of your head, you pull off some of that stuff on your phone in the back of your head, should I be on my phone? But in your mind, there's justification for trying to get some information, trying to get some, some knowledge about what just happened. And, uh, but yeah, to the outsider, you're, you're sitting on your phone, right? Um, so some of that all gets mixed into what I kind of meant about just, you know, the insecurities I have as dad and wondering if I'm doing right by my kids and always, you know, more than anything in life, wanting to make sure I am doing right by them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know something we talk about a lot in the dad podcast. I know I, I go to bed all the time struggling and, um, I, I wait, I go to bed all the time every night, basically being like, I need to wake up tomorrow morning and actively work to lessen my responsibilities. <laughs> like I serve on a, a couple boards here in Louisville, which sounds a lot fancier than it is, but I have, you know, I feel like I have responsibility to them, you know, for my time, things of that nature. I obviously have a job. I have two kids that are just polar opposite needs. I'm a husband and every day, and then by like noon, I'm ready to take on the world again. So like part of it's um, my ambition and they tease me sometimes and I'm like the Jim Carrey, like the yes man, because especially with the media stuff, like I just enjoy it so much. And I feel so fortunate to have found something that is not, um, you know, hey, it's not like work when you love doing it type thing. But that, that time balance is something that I know um, I go to bed far too often being like, you know, how many hours did I spend on my phone once I got home from work? Or whatever. So I think it's something that we all struggle with. And unfortunately, I don't think no matter how good you are at it, there probably will definitely be a time in all of our lives when we'll look back and, and wish we would have put that phone down a little more, spent some time, um, just kind of undivided attention with the family, man. Because I'll tell you, because I'm a little farther along in the journey than you, like I have an awesome daughter. My daughter is amazing. I couldn't ask uh, for a better kid. She just turned 13 last week. But man, those moments are few and far between now. Like, the other day, it's funny, I was like, every night I'm just like, man, I feel, um, feel pressure to like make a moment for us, you know, like let's find this to watch on TV because it's just so hard to excite these, these teenage girls as they get kind of to that age. And she finally pulled me aside the other day and was like, dad, I like sitting in my room. Like you don't have to feel bad like that you need to entertain me that I'm up here, you know, you haven't seen me in six hours. And I said, you know, I really appreciate you saying that because I do. I feel like you're up there, like, like you're, you know, seven or eight-year-old girl and you're up there waiting for dad to come in and save the day with, you know, playing Monopoly or something. So things change, times change, man. So that time, and I'm sure you see as your kids are getting older, is just completely invaluable. My nine-year-old, I feel like, is going on 13. You know, they've got their little FaceTime and stuff that they like to do with their friends. And so we joke like, oh, she's already doing the grab her tablet or whatever and, and heading up to her room. And just the other night, well, she had a bad day at virtual learning. And I was like, I'm taking away your, your, your tablet. So you, don't, you don't get that today. And we noticed that night that instead of retreating to her room, she played with her younger siblings. And it was like oh, so yeah. nice to see. And I was like, man, we need to probably schedule some no screen time stuff so she doesn't get completely uh, removed from her for her younger siblings because it was so nice to see her just have some quality you know creative imaginative playtime with her, her younger siblings yeah then you have all the all the fun tech decisions to make which um i'm going through kind of right now so it's, it's very difficult because you're always bouncing back from you don't want to be too overbearing and they just rebel hardcore 
but you got to set some ground rules. So girls are fun, man. We're definitely, we'll have to catch back up on that. Like I said, I'm a little further along in the journey. So I'm sure we can give, give each other advice. Um, you with the boy and me with the, with the girl, but dude, <laughs> we went longer than normal. So thank you. I appreciate it. I was having a, a, a ton of fun. Actually, it went by really quick, but we can do dad jokes. Um, I was glad you took a minute to sign on because I did not have my dad joke prepared and I've panicked and blown it in the past. So I have a couple ready, um, but I'll, I'll let you go first there. I will, I'll say I'll, I'll say the one that, that we like to uh, bring up here at the house is uh, one is what's uh, Beethoven's favorite fruit? Banana. <laughs> I've never we heard like that. that one. That's a good one. That's a good one. We like how do you make a how do you make a Kleenex dance? Put some boogie in it. Yeah, you knew that I think that that's one. the first one I've ever got. And every time I know them, they're like the most easy ones. And uh, all right, man, go, Drew. I got one, finally. You got one. And then the other one that is like, this isn't a dad joke. This is an annoying thing that I purposely do to be an annoying dad with my kids. Is anytime they say, hey, I say, hey, is for horses. Yeah. Because I'm sure they one of my that. friend's dads used to do that to him, and he gets so angry. And so I don't know why, but I've just adopted it just to annoy my kids. <laughs> nice. All right. We all do that stuff. I'm sure I'm sure they love it, too. Um, all right. So I, you did perfect, man. You killed your your stuff on the dad podcast. And I had I just um, quickly had three, too. So you did three and I'll do three. So this one is um, how many times do you have to tickle an octopus to make it laugh? Ten tickles. Of course, it only has eight of those. So the first two were test tickles. <laughs> all right. OK. All right. Next one, my favorite. Time, yeah, I know that one's pushing. I have the ops. I have the option for um. I can you know I can click this as ex, as explicit. I don't know if that's going to deem this explicit. Though. I don't think so. All right, um, next one. My favorite time of day is six thirty, hands down. <laughs> and lastly, an armed man ran into a real estate agency and shouted, Hand, "Hands up! Nobody move!" All right. Those are my three. So the, this, the terrible part about that is Aaron is I actually think those were three of my better ones. The last two, I don't know what this says about me, but the last two took me a second. So maybe I'm really <laughs> slow this morning. Yeah, I've, I've had that happen too, where it's like when you don't get it, you're like, that actually is on King of the Hill a lot. Um, Bill will say like, Tank will be like, he'll repeat the joke and Bill will nod his head and he'll go, all right, I'll explain it to you. Someone's face. Aaron, you're the man, dude. I really enjoyed this. Flowed great. I had an awesome time um, learning a little bit more about you. I know you're highly regarded in the, um, the sports media world here in Louisville. Your name has been passed to me several times as one of the good guys and, and a good dad that I should get on. I know I enjoy your humor and stuff on Twitter. So thanks for spending an hour of your weekend with us, man. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. No, it was good to talk about some of this stuff. I think it's important that uh, dads get together and talk about some of these issues. We will. And, and one, a couple of things I want to mention as we wrap up. Again, I'm going to try to look to do some giveaways with the, uh, the podcast here. Um, and then also, too, I don't know why I've never gotten multiple dads on here. We always do it as a one-on-one -on -one thing. But I think it'd be um, a, a sweet idea to get some, like, a Kentucky Dad Podcast alumni together, maybe, like me, you, and Nick or something like that especially once, um, you know, maybe we get into the spring and we're all vaccinated up and, and can get together and, and give hugs and sit like six inches from each other's face and record something. I would like that. And man, I'm, I cannot wait to interact with people normally again. This yeah, sounds good. Well, um, have a great week, man. I'm going to stay in touch with you and kind of, um, cause I'll be interested to hear a little bit of the, the sights and sounds from the game on Saturday. Cause despite there being no fans, 
I still think it'll, you'll have a very unique perspective being one of the few people in that building behind the scenes. So we'll stay linked up, man. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it.